We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch, 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paula with Steve Goldstein. I got, Steve, I, I got a problem here, man. I, I, I don't have a nickname for you yet. I don't know what to do about that. Like, I have one for Steve. I have one for Norm. We don't have one for you. So what are people calling uh. you? The, just the melon head? No, no, no. That, I mean, that's that. I, I, we're gonna have to come up with one. Uh, we're gonna have to have to come up with one. I, I, I don't. I, I, off the top of my head, it's uh, it's really. Just, I'm gonna make you think now. All right, so yeah. folks, while, while Steve's thinking we'll, about, we'll come up. We'll come up with a good one. 
<laughs> so while Steve's thinking about a nickname for him, you know, because he doesn't want me labeling with one, trust me. You know, poor Norm is, you know, threatens my life now because of the ones I give him. The We do want, we're here <laughs> a day later the, after the 29-27 victory over the Green Bay Packers. The Rams are 8-0. Where we have a, I, I'm, I'm so excited, man, to get, to get things going tonight, Steve, my guy's Jim Everett. Jim Everett came on the show a little bit earlier, had a con- great conversation. It's a long conversation because Jim was in a great mood. We were just talking football for almost almost an hour. We want to share that conversation with you. It's a phone interview, guys, so it's not as high quality as you normally like, but that's just how the name of the game is with interviews. And um, we're pretty stoked about that great interview with with, uh, with Jim. Man, Steve, I'm telling you, you're going to love this one. Trust me. No, Trust I'm, me. I'm excited about it. Absolutely. Okay. So after that, we it's been a while since we've done a mailbag. So folks, we're getting you get some of your mailbag questions answered. We had a couple really interesting ones that we were we found amusing, just to say at least. Before we do, before we move on and get to the uh, get it over to the Jim Everett interview, we do want to cover a couple things. First, we are at ninety seven. I kid you not, ninety seven five star reviews. We're just three away from finally ending this contest on iTunes. So if you have not, if you have not gone over to iTunes and given us a five-star review, please do. I also ask, make sure we've earned it. If we haven't earned it, I understand why you wouldn't do it. If you believe we're, we're working hard for you and providing good content and we deserve it, please head on over there. Once we get to 100, we will give away a $75 gift ticket over to NFLShop.com. We're also, guys, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, we are everywhere. And we're also on IEBeatRadio.com. They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Okay, one more thing before we get to our interview with Jim. Do need to give a shout-out to Jim Hawk. Jim Hawk has been very good to us. We're very proud that he sponsors us and believes in us. Check out his book, Hollywood Teen Great Glamour in the 1950s LA Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Also, read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elway, Grace Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in the story span the 1950s LA Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Folks, trust me, it's well worth it. Read it. Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. I promise. Okay, here we go. Folks, Here's our interview with Jim Everett, taking a look at the Rams' first eight games and looking ahead to the Saints game. Here you go. All right, welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paula with Jim Everett, the longtime Los Angeles Rams great. Jim, it's been a few months. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm the, you know, I've been around that much. I had a little back, a little back issue. We're getting it all corrected. I got to get a little bit longer, but hopefully it'll be rolling around December. And uh, <laughs> the game. Define what you mean by rolling around. Well, you know, when you when you get a little whole surgery and old back, you know, after after years of abuse, you gotta you gotta take it easy and so that's what I've been doing. But man, I haven't missed a step on any of the Ram games and being eight no that's pretty darn tight. Yeah, and uh that's why we wanted to get with you today halfway through the year and um 
I know you follow this team really close. I know that uh, you've been, you actually say some, you know, not actually because you always do, you really say some really smart things, some of the things the fans are thinking as well um, during the course of the game, watching on Twitter and so on and so forth. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you, Jim, is is after eight games with an 8-0 record, how does this team look to you in order to be able to finish this out this year? Well, I mean, 8-0 at the Rams hasn't been 8-0 since 1969. So, I mean, it looks pretty darn good. I mean, the whole idea of playing the game is winning it, and that's what they're doing. And I, I think that's what they're what they're showing. I mean, let's take the Green Bay game, the last game they played, the first half, they kind of they stuck it up. But not to, you know, to play only one half good against a good Green Bay team and still get a victory is pretty pretty impressive. Um, you know, it was an unfortunate they uh, they fumbled at the end. I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see what our uh, boy Aaron Rodgers would do coming down the field and maybe, you know, make it exciting. But, uh, you know, uh, I felt for Ty Montgomery on that, on, that, uh, on that fumble. But, you know, that's football. Um, you know, you try to you try your best. But, you know, I, I see, you know, the parts about I see is, is, you know, up front, it's just unbelievable with, you know, the, our defensive line. I mean, they're just coming through. They're, um, it's just it's impressive, I think, that we were talking about earlier about who's going to be the pressure on the outside, and I think some of our young guys are stepping up. A variety of them. Uh, Littleton's doing a good job. Um, but you take Aaron in the middle. It's, he's he's just unbelievably tough to block, and he just blows people up, and it's it's fun to see. I mean, with him and Sue, it's, um, you know, it's incredible. I think the consistency factor is what they're looking for. I mean, make sure they, you know, don't jump around. They have their gap control first because, uh, you know, this weekend against New Orleans, they've got a good running attack. And, if, you know, we, we pass rush them too hard, and you know, that runner's going to run right by us. When the when the season began, there were high expectations on this team. I'm not sure anybody thought they would be 8-0 at this point. Very few people would have thought that. Um, what's got well, them the, there? Well, it's, it's professionalism is what got them there. I think that Coach McVeigh had some, you know, had Brandon Cooks. Let's take that for example. An addition, he has more yards after eight games than Sammy Watkins had in the whole season. So that young man has just come in, took this offense by storm, and said, "You know what? I'm playing ball." And uh, you know, it's, he's on pace to get another, you know, twelve, thirteen hundred yard season with multiple touchdowns. And I think at Alexander last game wasn't holding so darn much. Uh, and I talked about that. I mean, that was a very aggressive game, but that's what Atlanta did in the playoffs. I mean, you, you, you've got to be able to get off the press even when they're grabby, and uh, that's the refs let you play when it gets playoffs. So I think that was the first playoff caliber type, you know, situation we're going to see. And, uh, you know, I think McVay did a good job. The other part was we've been challenged a bunch on a, on a bunch of different things, and, and they've kept up each one of the challenges, and that's that's a sign of a really, really good team. Um Take that coming in, going into New Orleans this week, at New Orleans with a very good team. I look at this as an NFC Championship caliber game, and it's going to be in their house. And I played in that dome for three years, and it's it's an advantage. Um, the Rams can come out with a victory there, victory there, and they will impress me further. I mean, that is a tough place to play. They've got good talent, both running the ball, passing the ball. The quarterback, Drew's going to make great decisions. Their defense is strong. They've got good corners. 
you know, so it's going to be it's going to be a battle, and I, I see it's going to be you know it's going to be neck to neck. And I don't I don't maybe it's people think the Aaron Rodgers show was going to be a shootout, and it didn't really turn out that way. I don't know about this one. This one, this could be all out war. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, just thinking about Rams Saints in New Orleans, um, two very good teams. I just happened to we, we've talked about this before. A certain memory pops into my head from 1989 when <laughs> the Willie the Willie Anderson game, the Anderson game, 36 yards, the overtime victory. That's what popped into my head just now. You played for the Saints, you, and of course you're. You are one of the, you know, the, the best quarterbacks in Rams history. Um, and you used to be division rivals. Well, that's what, yeah. You have to explain that to some of your viewers because, you know, the current the team is, you know, the rivals are, are, are different. You know, back in the day when we were playing, we had to play Atlanta twice. We played New Orleans twice. We played San Francisco twice. So us in New Orleans was, you know, an annual double battle, and their defense was off the chart, and they were really, really good. Their offense was kind of a little bit more, um, you know, run-oriented, might be, don't lose the game type stuff, but their defense, Swilling and Jackson and Sam Mill in the middle, was was one of the premier defenses um, that, that we would face. And, you know, we were down, I don't know, almost four, four minutes left in that game and down by 14 points, and uh, Derek, we Came back and won it. And of course, we did have to go into overtime, and and uh, Flipper Anderson did set the all-time wide receiver mark. But I guess you know when you're hot, you keep feeding the hot hand. And that's what he did. Because <laughs> great memories. Um, backing up here, um, the Rams' offense this year won the best of the league. They are <laughs> watching film from last year. This year, they're even better. What has really made them as good as they are, as efficient as they are, especially when they use the same formation 97% of the time? Yeah, but, but what they do within those formations is they make a lot of the different plays from different person, you know, from different guys at different spots that are the same plays. But the consistent part about the whole thing is every defense has to watch Todd Turley. Not only you know, if you watch the Green Bay game, I mean, you know, they were first half keying on keying on uh, Todd and keying on Todd, and you know, playing dime and nickel coverage in the first quarter. So you know, all of a sudden when we we go, you know, no no back in the backfield, now they can't key on Todd, and I thought that was a brilliant move by McVay. And all of a sudden, you know, they sit him out wide and then just run him on a drag underneath, and they don't have an answer for it, and he scores that touchdown. I mean, those types of things are top-level thinking when it comes to, all right, we know what you want to do. We want to stop Gurley. Now we're going to show you something different. So it's not all vanilla. Kansas City's doing a lot of the types of things because they have such good athletes um, at their skill positions. But they run a lot of the same stuff, but a bunch of different formations. Um, but it makes it easier to practice. Some of that shovel pass I see Kansas City running is just off the charts. I love it. And uh, as you can tell, I'm an advocate and a fan of good offense and be able to watch New Orleans and what they're doing with, with Kamara and, and uh, you know, their offense is not all going through Drew Brees. I mean, think he had a hundred and under 120 yards passing last game, and they still won 30 to 20. I mean, there was two turnovers that were big for them, but it's, um, they, have a, they have a more dynamic offense that just doesn't have to run through Drew. 
we have the same thing. Everything can run through Jared Goff, but we run everything through Todd, too. And so, I mean, it, it just makes it tough when you have a five-headed monster. And, I mean, five eligible guys that are talented. I still think I'd like to see our tight end position pick up um, to be able to be carry float a little bit more. And uh, I think we saw some good things from Everett. I think continue to see some. Um, I'd like to see things time up better with Higley, Higby, but it's just not there yet. I don't know if the separation or if Everett's going to take over that position or whatever, but I think that's going to be the new found weapon that McVay will, will go to to change it up even more. Now, on last night's show, we had your former teammate Michael Stewart on. He comes on once in a while and just talks with all of us. And one of the things he expressed concerns about was how the Rams in this game with the Packers seem to def- overly depend on the deep throws and not focus as much on the intermediate throws. They didn't throw one screen in the game, which is kind of weird because the Rams' offense has really done well with the screens in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Is it what? What did you see as a quarterback that Green Bay was offering to force the Rams to make those kind of throws, or do you share some of the same concerns that Michael shared? Well, they were trying. They were trying, even though they were being undersized in nickel and dime packages. And nickel and dime, for some of your viewers, when I say nickel, that's five defensive backs. When I say dime, that's six defensive backs. But yet they still were trying to load the box with seven. The box is between where the ball is and your tackle to tackle, your tight end. And they were trying to get seven in the box to stop Gurley. Um, but then under that, they were trying to play man. So to run your screens against that particular man under stuff is going to be difficult once you can rub out. Um, I thought a bubble screen would be something that they were they were really playing uptight on the inside on, in an 11 formation, both sides. And they were trying to play for it. So I can understand why he didn't call it. Um, but the, uh, the sweep there at the end to win the game was, you know, just another p- a place to be able to get outside that seven-man box, where the, like they were trying to do with some of the jet sweeps. I think you saw a few more jet sweeps than we've probably seen in the past. But the, the idea is if you're going to put seven in the middle, let's get out wide quick. So, you know, it's, I think that was in lieu of some of the screens. I think that that's what he went to. Doesn't mean that I think that's what he'd go to if we play Green Bay in the playoffs. Because I do think he probably was saving some of those, especially uh, down the road, um, you know, even playoff time. Because I have a feeling Green Bay will will be around playoff time, and so will and so will New Orleans. And Green Bay is heading to New England next next week, and I'm I, I already feel like Green Bay is going to win that game. I'm, I'm calling it now. I think Green Bay was that game. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, I need your crystal ball, but they do have a tough. I mean, play the Rams and then come back and play New England to, to the best team in the NFL. That's that's a tough that's a tough go, and Aaron Rodgers knew it was gonna be tough. But it doesn't mean that there's not, you know, after that there's still you know seven more games that they can still do a lot of damage. So, um, uh, you know, I think they've had some health issues on their side of the ball. Of course, they lost that nose tackle that really hurt. Um, but that young kid that stepped in from UCLA is doing a good job for a nose tackle, really good job. Um, but man, were they a grabby group. Man, I, I've watched defense a lot, and I I just was just I just amazed how much they were letting the grab go. You know, it was really funny too because they during the game they were praising Jerry Alexander, and as they're showing the replay, they're they're showing him grabbing on to Brandon Cooks as they're <laughs> praising him. And I think we counted four, you know, and like like four or five holds on Alexander alone that didn't get called. And the Rams, by the way, got with got with a couple too. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand. 
you know, I, I don't understand how it can differ from game to game. Why do we have some games where officials let these guys play? In other games, it's every ticky-tack call. Why is it so subjective now to where it's almost like baseball umpiring the umpiring in the eighties and nineties when every crew had a different strike zone? Well, that's the truth with every crew of NFL officiating, and we did before every game. We would know who's officiating at what position or what team was on, and if we've had them before, what was our past calls, what were the things we were looking for, what do they look for. We knew their tendencies as well. They knew knew kind of some of the stuff we did or, or we, what we were going to try to do to the defense, I mean, or what the defensive tendencies were. So every crew is different. There is no doubt about it. Um, this this crew is what I would call what we're going to see in the playoffs. They don't like the flag to determine the game. And that's just the way it is. I mean, it's you saw the holdings on, on Cooks. I saw them. Uh, the nation saw them, but they didn't call. I mean, that was a fistful of jersey a lot. And, uh, you know, it just was not called. And, you know, I don't know, you know, what he's going to have to do, but it's good preparation that he needs to find that separation early. And then, and then, you know, go. But if you look at some of Brandon Cook's routes, he'll move back to the defender to then separate again. He'll separate, move back to the defender, and separate again. And um, so, I mean, some of those things, once he gets his initial separation, he may have to just, just turn on the Jets and be done with it and not do that second move. Now, but you mentioned, um, and I'm not really questioning you, I'm really just getting into your mind here, getting your football mind. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how, in in the playoffs, these guys don't want to make those kind of calls, but yet what we saw later in the game, the, the second-to-last Green Bay touchdown mm-hmm. on the pass play, you can see, I, I want to say it was either it was either Sue or Donald getting held on the left-hand side of the line. It was a 40-yard mm-hmm. pass play. And it, and it was it was an obvious hold. Rams players' hands are up in the air, holding, they don't call it. Next, you know, a drive or two later, the Rams are moving down the field. They're deep in Green Bay territory. They're trying to trying to get this game put away. Yeah, and, and they called on Saffold. They call <laughs> Saffold. And those are the things that, as a, as a fan or just somebody who just loves the game, they get frustrated with. Because now, all of a sudden, you're going to call the holding when they've been doing this all game. And I admit it. I mean, Saffold was holding. I'm not. I mean, he was holding. But why? Why the ticking and choosing? And that, and that's, and that's in that situation, that could have cost the Rams the, the game. They could have. They could have. They could have. And, and it has. It has in the past. And there's times you look at it and go, really? But, you know, at the end of the day, you look at it and say, hey, we had, we had 60, 70 offensive plays. We're not going to let one play determine if we won or lost. We could have, we could really, you know, done better on either 69 plays. So, yeah, I, I get, I get that thought. And, and, you know, there is the rest, which is third factor that is hard to factor in all the time. Um, but I can tell you this throughout the year of the eight games that the Rams have won, they probably could have easily called 15 more holding penalties on our defensive line, not on them, but the offensive lines blocking them because they are holding. And that is basically the only way to keep Aaron Donald off the quarterback. I mean, he is that good and there's some sort of <laughs> holding or something, but it would just disrupt the game if they had, you know, a whole game full of holding. I mean, it really would. And I, I don't know if, you know, if you're like, what is going on? You can't block Aaron Donald in practice. You can't block, block him in minicamp, in summer camp, and you can't block him in games. You try, but he's going to get by you, and the only thing you can do is hold on. 
And I remember the you know Falcons getting the Falcons game the wild card game last year and they held the ever living you know what <laughs> of, right. of Aaron Donald and that's the time I think with the season on the line if it's that apparent you should be calling this once in a while especially in a playoff game. No, they didn't call it. And I was just like, and I, I understand if in this league where you would have just some of these great players. Going back through the years, Warren Sapp was another one of those guys. and mm-hmm. it's, They're just so hard to block. I understand you're going to hold a lot, but how do you not call any of them, really? Uh, did, they, did they call anybody for holding Aaron Donald yesterday? Um, I believe it was... I believe there was one or two calls. I I I can't recall. I know he had two sacks, but I'm I you know I don't I don't focus on that part. But I'm sure he's he, he's just he's just a creature to block. I mean, yeah. And, and some of the things I look similar is you know you talk to Dr. Jackie Slater about him trying to block Reggie White or Bruce Smith. I mean, there's there's a little bit of something you got to do every once in a while just because they're going to be beat you bad. <laughs> and if you get away with it, you get away with it. I mean, if you don't, then okay, you move back. But, you know, it's the, the three shots. Um, Lawrence Taylor was another guy. Um, I mean, he's in a whole class of his own. I mean, yeah. I know everyone talks about Von Miller now and this and that. Von's got that quick move underneath. I mean, he's really impressive. But um, Lawrence Taylor could bowl you over. He could roll around. He could come underneath. I mean, he, could, he had it all. And I think Bill Belichick coached him, and he would tell you, he's pretty much in class by himself. But, Again, let's get back to what we're talking about. The refs, they're just trying to do their job. They're a group of, group of men that have tendencies, and we know them. Every team knows them, and they should know going into the game that this crew doesn't call much, well, and that's how you play. Obviously, Alexander knew it. He's a rookie. Yep. They did. <laughs> uh, speaking of the defense, a couple of things I want to ask you about. Marcus Peters took a ton of criticism yesterday. He's taken it periodically now since his injury. And uh, we again, we talked to Michael Stewart last night. He, he felt like the truth is Marcus Pierce is probably about 70%. Uh, is right. that what you're seeing right now? Or what, what are you really seeing in, in the province of the secondary getting beat hard in some of these, in some of these games now? Well, I, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't just focus on Marcus Peters. Troy, Troy Hill had a, had a, you know, totally missed a bump and, you know, got beat deep early. I mean, I think that's living on the island. That's part of your, part of your job. I think where it is pure speculation if who, if someone's health 70, 80, 90, 100%. I don't see a 100% quarter, quarter over there. But then again, if you, you're trying to play a game at 100% all the time, it doesn't happen. In the pros, when you play 16 games, you're inevitably going to play some of the games at some percentage off because of an ankle or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just trying to be a professional and do the best he can. I don't think he's, I don't think he's playing, you know, top, top five quarters in the league. I think he has that ability. I don't think he's playing there yet. I think you better be careful when you throw his way because he'll, he'll jump the heck out of it and he's waiting for it. And I have a feeling he's just going to go off. Uh, maybe he's saving that for Kansas City. <laughs> And I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe maybe they have healing water down there in Mexico. Hope he's getting some good workouts in for that. It's going to be up in Azteca, 8,000 feet above. He could have some good, quick guys to cover down there with Hill and Watkins and that whole group, and they're going to offer a whole plate full of tamales with the stuff they run. I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to be something spectacular. 
Is that the game of the year for the Rams after the Saints game? Is that really what you're looking forward to? Well, I think this week is the game of the year. I, mean, I think that's the, that's the mindset they have to do. I, I wouldn't hate to even extend my mind out to Kansas City. I think that's going to be good. But, you know, we've got a lot of games to, to play before we get there and injuries and who knows what and this and that. So I think that I think this game this week against New Orleans is the biggest test that the Rams will face. Um as far as being at a being a visitor at a rowdy stadium and facing a damn good football team, I can't wait. I don't have offenses. I can't wait to watch it. I'm excited that it's only Monday. I mean, for God's sake, this is this is this is this is good stuff. <laughs> and the you no, know, the, the crazy thing is, is these guys, these teams don't like each other. Going back to the Greg Williams days, they don't like each other, and they all there's always some kind of even in the. Uh, when the Rams are bad, they would give the Saints some problems. And a couple of years ago during the Gray Williams game, the Saints came out. Uh-huh. This is a Jared Goff's uh-huh. first start, and they just blew the Rams out of the water. And last year they win that game in L.A. This it, the Saints and Rams they play some games, man. And I, well, well, I tell you, whatever Greg Williams has coming to him now, being if he's going to be the head coach of the Browns, maybe. Maybe he's going to be. Maybe he's going to get the ultimate payback now. But you know, for every everything that he's ever, you know, if anyone didn't like Greg Williams, I mean, now he's going to have to face Piper up there in Cleveland. You know, coaching that after they've just cleaned the whole kitchen sink of coaches up there midstream. But um, it's so funny. You know, you mentioned Greg Williams, and he's you know he's a good competitor and a rowdy guy, and gets his guys going. And yeah, he got he got canned for a year. Because of the gambling thing, but I'm not saying that that didn't happen on a bunch of teams. He just was a little bit more vocal about it. So, uh, you know, he's not the only one out there incentivizing his guys to to play ball. So, don't think that it was just a sole case, but he just got busted. Um, but anyways, it That's... goes way back. The whole New Orleans thing goes way back years. I know it does for for us. We've had some tremendous games in there. I think that uh, the season that they're at, um, you know, being only one defeat and Rams are undefeated. They see two Titans go to battle and they both have moxie. And uh, it's, it's really, really going to be fun to watch. I thought last year when the Saints came out here, I thought Drew was hurt. And that was one of those games where he was probably playing 60 or 70%. And I don't think he saw his best effort. But from what I know, I think Drew's healthy and it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. Do you See this Rams team, the roster as is right now, mid-season, 8-0. This is going to sound one of those cliche questions, but I'm going to have to – I need to ask it. Can uh-huh. this team – is this capable of going 16-0? Do you believe that they can do this? No. You better go 1-0 this week. I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I don't I – don't, I mean, I, I, Derek, I, I like to, 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 you know, look at, you know, what the odds are. The, the odds are – I mean, Vegas may have them as favorite, but I think the odds are really going to be against them this week with, with some of the stuff they have coming up to travel. This, that, I know the Rams play good on the road, but this is a tough place, and, and I'm, I'm being serious. The, the fact of trying to say a team can run the table, that's beyond anyone's probability of knowing Andrew Whitworth, can he stay healthy the whole mm-hmm. time? Can Foley, who you know really had some health issues in Washington, has held up extremely well the last two years? Can he hold up? Can Todd Gurley? I mean, there's a bunch of what ifs. 
But if everyone stays healthy, I think they'll win the games to get them to the first seed. And I wouldn't put it past McVeigh to sit the guys the last game, last two games, last three games, whatever it is, to get the championship. So, I mean, again, like we did last year, we get down to December 30th and it's a meaningless game. I don't see him playing the starters. And that's McVeigh's way. And I don't, I don't think you're going to see, you know, unless you think our backups can beat, you know, San Francisco, which, you know, could be. But I can't say you could predict that and say you're 15 and 1. You know what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of what ifs. If our guys all stay healthy, if we have to win all, all of them, I think they have the ability. As far as any other Ram team I've seen, they got the ability to win any game they want. And I just kind of also want to end this with with a laugh. I don't know if you saw. You mentioned the Browns. You mentioned Greg Williams. Did you see the LA odds on who the next coach will be? Sorry, the Las Vegas odds. Did you see it? Uh, I think they have the Rams a favorite for a couple or something. No, I mean they, no the Vegas odds on who's going to replace Hugh Jackson in Cleveland long term. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, I was McVay's girlfriend, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They had McVay going to the Browns. <laughs> the Rams are never going to let him go. Yeah, maybe maybe he gets partial ownership. He gets, he gets the BR, and they get to keep the RW, RW and they own it. He gets the BR. <laughs> he only gets two-fifths of the franchise if he goes there. But I don't know. It'd have to be a sweetheart deal better than Gruden ever did. In Oakland, and uh, boy, you know, talking about things blowing out—that's that's interesting to watch that whole deal. But yeah, I don't, I don't put a lot of, a lot of faith in that or any stock in that. I mean, they don't—they're just trying to win, go do something this week and get lined up and get Baker Mayfield going. And I feel for Baker Mayfield because I mean, it's a little bit about Jared Goff had to go through his first mm-hmm. year, you know, and now coordinator and you know success. And, now that whole thing's blowing up, and uh, maybe some new terminology, or it's just difficult. Um, you know, as far as rookies going, and you're see Rosen going down there. He has to do the same thing. You know, down in Arizona, you know, they blew up that offensive deal, and now he's got to you know pick it up and learn a new one. And like I said, I always said, Bernie Kosar played eight years in Cleveland and eight different offensive coordinators. I don't know how he could ever remember. You know what a damn audible was from year to year. Well, that's I was why he drinks so much now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the reason? I think that might be why <laughs> he's got PTSD from all his offensive coordinators. Oh, you're muddy in the water, Derek. I hear you. You're muddy <laughs> in the water. It, well, the crazy thing is, I grew up in his hometown. I went. I went to his high school, and Bernie yeah. Kosar is adored here. I mean. I, I actually work with a guy who we had a sports day on Friday. He came to work came to work in his Kozar jersey, still wearing his Kozar jersey after all these years. So we yeah, love Bernie. With some funny number, I mean, like nineteen or twenty. What's, what's Bernie's number? Nineteen. Nineteen. I mean, I looked at that. I was like, ah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, just on numbers, when is the NFL going to let receivers, especially the number one wide receivers, start wearing number one? I want to see that. I want to see. I want to see these. You know, guys like Antonio Brown, who, who know they're number one, wearing number one. 
So you're just like, I, well, there, I actually have it. I, I have a question for you. This is a financial yeah. question, okay? Because this is, a, oh, I've God. talked about this in the show, and this is bothering me. Okay. okay. This is really bothering me. And, but you're, you're more of a financial guy than I ever have been. All right. So this is just okay. me thinking this. I have a problem with. Hey, Derek, I know how to give my finances to my ex-wife. I can tell you that much. Right? <laughs> Anything else may be out of my, out of my pay grade. Well, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going the salary cap here. The problem I okay. have. Okay. I have a really big problem. If the, if the league is so focused on safety right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. They are trying to protect players and to the point where now where we're seeing calls we never would have seen 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Why not expand the rosters outward than 53 players? Why not expand the 60? And why are we limiting these clubs so much in the salary cap? If a team like the Rams wants to pay money out the wazoo for a guy and for their mm-hmm. team, why, why are they being held back a way to do so? That's about why, why, I guess the question I want to, I'm really kind of been pondering ever since, um, they signed Sue, really, and then gave Donald the deal. Okay. Was, so that's why that are you doing this? Let's, let's go to something real current. Did you watch the Boston LA series? Yes. And, and baseball? Yes. You know the difference between the payroll of those two teams? You know, I don't. You know, the no. Boston payroll is about 55 million kind of up there with the New York Yankees. And uh, from what I remember, to give my numbers correct here, LA Dodgers is about 34 million. So there's some inequities as far as what talent you can have on your roster. And Boston, by far, you know, do legit like $20 million more in payroll than, than the Dodgers. I'm not saying the Dodgers couldn't win it. I'm just saying it's kind of loaded. The NFL doesn't want to put itself in that position. They don't want to, they don't want to have... The haves, they don't want the Giants and the Jets and the L.A. teams, the big market teams, to basically buy a playoff position and then let teams like Cincinnati and Jacksonville and, you know, scrap around and have the haves and half not. So what they do is they create equity with a salary cap. Now, that's the limitation on the big ones that they have different than Major League Baseball. The other part that you talk about is the expanding the roster. There really is an expanded ro- roster in a sense. You've got 53 guys, and then you got your practice squad guys. And you have to, cl- to claim a practice squad guy. You have to open up a spot on your roster so I could go get a guy that's playing in Baltimore and put him, but it has to be on my active roster if I want to go stealing. So, I mean, there, there is those practice squad guys, and they are getting developed. Why don't they just create a 65-man roster and just say have at it? Probably has to do with some of the retirement benefits because if you're on the 53-man roster and you have three years, that means you're vested and you get retirement. Mm-hmm. The other guys aren't getting vested but don't get on the field. That affects the retirement. They have to get on the active roster for a certain number of games for three years, and once they do, the team that has them qualifies them for retirement. It has to pay that. So that's why you see a lot of guys going from their third year to their fourth year, either switching teams or not get finding a job because the team won't pick up his retirement, which is $500,000 plus. So you see that's the average lifespan, and I'm just trying to talk economics for NFL. If you've got, if you've got three years in the NFL, um, 
I think you have to play one more game the next season and you're vested. That's why you see a lot of, a lot of guys get cut and bring in a new linebacker, a new young guy to run down to do kickoffs because they don't want to pay the $500,000 backup for retirement benefits. That's why you don't see the expanded one. There's a lot more liability, a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff that goes into what pays these guys, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. Yeah, and then, yeah. but I still got to wrap around back over to the um, the salary cap. Mm-hmm. For, you know, and it, you know, I guess the counter I would have is, you know, it used to be, it used to be in the seventies you had the Steelers, in the sixties you had the Packers, in the eighties you had the Forty Niners, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you That's had the true. I mean, we had to play them, and they were good. So we and, know the eighties they were good. Yeah, but so now because of the parity is created by the salary cap. Yeah, the, the the haves can't get whatever they want, but now we don't have those epic dynasties anymore. And you know, we, the Patriots are, are as close as you get. And also, it allows teams to go cheap if they want to, and we've seen that several times as well. So, yep. in your mind, is there a better system to where the te- where the player that the teams that want to go for can still go for it, and the teams that want to be cheap can still be cheap? Is there is yeah. there something out there? I mean, if you're talking about that, maybe you're talking about the San Diego Padres when you're talking about that, or Pittsburgh's team. They've been known not to fill up their roster. I'm talking about baseball again mm-hmm. um, with with guys that are kind of on the team and they don't win a lot of games. And, uh, you know, the fans kind of know it. At least this way they know in the collective bargaining agreement they definitely have to spend this much. They have that. If they want to, if they want to give it to this guy or that guy or all the receivers or none of the receivers and all the linemen or, you know, unless the GM have a little autonomy as far as saying, this is how I want to run my team. I want to have two offensive linemen that are worthy. I want to, you know, I want my, you see a lot of teams that have young quarterbacks like Goff or Mahomes. They are in their rookie deals getting paid five to seven million dollars. So they got an extra 20 million. So they can go out and get a, a Sue, or they can go out and get a Sammy Watkins and pay him $16 million. But as soon as you've got to pay an Aaron Rodgers, or as soon as you've got to pay a Phillip Rivers, you know, 25 30 Aaron Rodgers, $35 million a year, we'll knock that other guy off your roster. I mean, that's just how it is. Gotcha. You look at Tannehill down in Miami. You know, he's he's a $27 million quarterback. It's funny we're talking this number because we, we, our payroll wasn't even that <laughs> for our old team. But, you know, we're talking about one guy. You know, what he's not producing the wins and the numbers and this and that. I mean, so there's going to be a lot of pressure of, are they going to bring a guy like Tannehill back? You know, for $23 million a year, is that a bargain? Or, you know, do you go out and find a Case Keenum or, uh, you know, somebody else that can fill in and hopefully get a rookie that you can groom to be the next Mahomes or the golf? Of the world, well, you're going to have Deshaun Watson. You're going to have Sam Bradford out there for twenty, apparently. Oh, <laughs> then you bring Sam Bradford up, and, and I love, I love the man. But I tell you, if we took his pay per game played, he has to be the highest player ever to be on any roster ever for games played, not just suited up, but you know, it's just amazing. I don't. Um, when they signed him for $20 million in Arizona with no offensive line, I'm like, what are you thinking? Give me Case Keenum so at least he can move around. But, uh, I mean, he knew he was going to get blown up. It was only a matter of time before. It was only a matter of time. There was no, they, 
There was no way Sam Bradford was going to be successful in Arizona. There just was no way. Uh, he was successful. Twenty million dollars successfully. Well, that, that that's true. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. On the field, successful. On the field, <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. So I mean, you, you see that. Uh, there's gentlemen who made that decision. Is that the wisest way to go? But he had the autonomy to make that decision. Would I rather trade for some? You know, try to get an Andrew Whitworth and pay him a little bit more or someone like that? Heck yeah! And put. Phil Simmons back there, or another guy, or whoever, whoever it might be that can maintain your team. At least he's going to stand erect when he's throwing. He's not horizontal. Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I mean, it starts with the big. Bill Parcells was big about that. And if you see what McVay's done, he's developed this team from interior. I mean, he really has. He made sure that he had smart, strong guys. Staffolds playing extremely well. Uh, the new kid at right guard is playing extremely well. Um, Hamilton's playing really a high level. Um, but look at the defensive side. He's done the same thing. He's got monsters on his side. You win in the trenches, you can win some games. And that's what gives you hope for this weekend, saying that they're going to have to really, they're going to have to win the trenches. That, that, uh, and that Saints defensive line is no joke. Oh, nope. Grief. They are a no joke. Good gosh. And oh. golf, golf's going to feel some pressure this week. But once once they do it, I mean, I think that's when you're going to see some strains and some other things come up. I don't think Green Bay is really known for the huge pressure, even though they had multi-person pressure. But if they try to bring four and this and that, I think that's when you see the screens, let the big guys go, go up and blow up the little guys. Um, I think that's when you'll see those things working. Uh, but when you have a, a whole bunch of defensive backs in there, um, it's it's kind of it's kind of tough tougher on the screen, but the width game was where he won it. And what I mean by that is when they started stacking the seven, and McVeigh said, "I need to do the width game." Width game, meaning okay, the bubble screens they were trying to cover that, so they did the jet sweeps, they did the sweep, uh, and I thought it was so smart, so smart for Todd Gurley to basically shuffle down at the end of the game when he could have easily, knowing that he's going for the touchdown record, scored. Yeah, and that was really neat. I, I saw there were there were so many folks who were complimentary of that kind of behavior, and it's something that's missing from the sport today, it's just that selfless behavior. And, uh, man, that was really neat. I, today. I pretty much guarantee Le'Veon Bell walks in that end zone. I mean, I, it's a very few guys are like what Todd Gurley's doing, but that shows the character, what he's doing. Here's the guy from Georgia. Had a, had a knee. They took a chance on him. Very good runner. Had to develop his hands and has done it. And now is, you know, not only three down back, but double threat with being able to catch it and, and also get handoffs. And by the way, that little flip thing to the, to the front that he does on those sweeps and he runs the little, Golf just touch, touch, tosses the ball up in the air six inches, and then Gurley gets it, and, and he runs, and it's a touchdown pass for golf. I'm like, what the heck? How did that ever come out? But how smart it is. <laughs> you think about it, If you hand the ball off, and he's in, coming in fast motion, and he muffs it, it's a fumble, right? The ball's live. If you throw it up in the air, and he muffs it, it's an incomplete pass. How brilliant. You don't have to worry about fumbling the ball on a handoff, especially when the guy's 
going as fast as he can around the edge. I thought that was just, you know, back in our day, we had double, we had reverses, double reverses, all this stuff, and if either one of the guys dropped the ball, the ball's live. But not anymore. They just toss it up and it's a pass. Oh, and don't forget the flea flickers. Uh, at flea flickers and Kansas City with those little um, those little shovel passes. We got to watch out for those because I mean other teams are going to be doing that stuff. Um, very impressive. Puts a lot of pressure on that defense to, because you're you're showing width, and all of a sudden they flip it back inside and uh, they find a crease. It's impressive. I love where these offenses have gone. It makes it tough. The rules are set for offenses to rule, and uh, you know if they hold Aaron Donald, they can. And they will. <laughs> they will. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a question of if, it's when. And they yeah, will. I, I thought another part about it is, you know, here's a guy, Mark Barron, who's who's been injured most of the year. He comes in, and I don't know if you watched him on that safety against Green Bay. I was very impressed with his heady play. He saw, he recognized, he stepped up in the hole before the guard could even get to him and, and made a very aggressive play for a guy that was a, what they call a hybrid, you know, safety linebacker type. For him to go in there and dig in his nose and make that play, um, and coming off injury, um, is impressive. Well, yeah. I know a lot of people. Say, yeah, and and he was being tackled as he made the tackle. Yeah, that's the craziness so. of that play. <laughs> he was being tackled. <laughs> <laughs> well. I just say I see I see some good play. I see some smart play on both sides of the ball. Can we pick on the corners? I guarantee we can go around all thirty-two NFL teams and we can find a corner that's been beat. Because that's just part about living on the island. Uh, I mean, I've talked to many a defensive backs, and it's probably the toughest job besides quarterbacking because you're responsible for a lot of stuff. And you know, guys double move and do these different moves. I remember Henry Eller doing double moves, even on Deion Sanders. And uh, we, I remember getting a touchdown over top of him on a, on a double move. Dion was maybe one of the best defensive backs ever to play the game, and we hosed him. I mean, it just happens. It's just part of the job. I don't think, I don't think that I would get down on them. I think they're getting better. Uh, I don't think they'll ever be perfect, but that's the job of a defensive back. It's a lonely world back there. All right. Well. Jim, as always, it's been great to, to catch up with you. You you always bring the insight that we are looking for. Um, <laughs> I'm blown away by the salary cat conversation, and you just you just schooled me. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. I just love the game, and Derek, I love to talk to you because you're you're a good Rams fan, and I'm just so happy for all the Rams fans that have had to deal with that that seven and nine bulls. As stuff and you know we it's been a long time and this is 1969 since eight though so I mean this is this is a good time it's a good time to appreciate it to see good football on both sides of the ball not just one I think our special teams how about that fake punt the fake that was punt awesome. the yeah. um, block punts yeah and Corey Littleton is a beast back there is he not my gosh yeah and we got Greg the leg back how good is that. But we survive without him, and that's the thing, is that, you know, a guy like that goes down, we have a couple guys come in, we still survive with wins. There's other teams out there that fired their kickers because they lost, not the Rams. They fired them because they thought they were better. Amazing. Okay, 
So can you let folks know, as always, where to find you on Twitter? By the way, folks, he is hilarious on Twitter. Jim's <laughs> hilarious on Twitter. Where can folks find you if they're not already finding you? And if they are following you, it's a, it's a sin. They should be following you. Where can they find you? I think you can find me at, at Jim underscore Everett. And, uh, again, like I've always put my disclaimer out there, take my stuff with a grain of salt because I, I like to have a little bit of locker room chant, chant, banter. I like to make fun. I was just making fun of Josh Gordon sleeping in and now he's going to miss the first quarter <laughs> of, of the New England game. So there's, there's no one that goes unscathed. I try to stay like, away from the political stuff, but absolutely everything else is free game. Yeah, you see, one, I've been, you know, I've been trying to get Jim to do a podcast. You should, you should just do a podcast making fun of everything in football. <laughs> you should. All right, uh, I might have to take you up on that. As Pe- long as it's, it's people will listen fun. to you. People yeah, will listen yeah. to you. I'm serious. I, I have some twisted humor there, Derek. I, <laughs> it, it takes a special break to appreciate sometimes, but you know. Anyways, all I know this is when you get on Twitter, if you're gonna dog. Jared Goff, and you're going to dog the Rams, or you're going to dog the Saints, or I'm going to block you because I don't have time for that stuff. It's a fun time. It's a good place out there. But people that just want to be, you know, like crazy stuff like that, they get the block. That's what Wade Phillips does all the time. Now, that man is maybe the funniest guy on Twitter. <laughs> He's blocked a couple of There's a couple of folks who follow us on Twitter, Rams Talk, who were just the other day on Twitter complaining that, Wade Phillips to block them. They didn't even know why Wade Phillips to block them. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, if they say something, trust me, this is how it kind of goes. If you say something that's kind of dear, you know, and it might be far removed or it might be some of one of their buddies or it might be this or that, and you're out there dogging them, that's easy to get blocked. And even though you may be correct or this or that, or, you know, you might just be voice of opinion, we might not want to hear it. I mean, that's how guys go, but that's that's the great thing about Twitter and the whole social media. And like I say, we didn't have that back in the day. It's just so so fun that now the players will, you know, extend out. Clubs get to extend out. Some of the stuff that the clubs were putting out is funny as heck, and I enjoy it. It's all campy, and, and you get to know the personality of some of the social media of the teams, even the college teams, um, you know, and the rivalries and all this stuff. I just think it's kind of a neat playground you take it with a grain of salt and keep it and keep it kind of light but you know you just go for the juggling on people and it, you know i can i guess it gets turned off well you know who's hilarious on twitter the la king's twitter they're yeah. they are they're i don't know if you've been following them at all they are hilarious i'll make sure i do Derek. that's a great recommendation i don't want to see what they're doing anyways but i, I think that entities i think corporations i think all that stuff can be able to touch you know, different generations, um, and easily. Oh, like, the, like Wendy's. Wendy's is funny too. Oh, oh yeah, they had a great one a while back. They they really did, especially when uh, oh, I remember exactly when that pancake house changed their name. <laughs> and Wendy's was talking I about do. the new pancakes they're going to be making. That was great. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> Anyways, okay. we we could be the judge in that, Derek. But uh, again, I just want to. I just want to let you know from, I mean, all the, the Rams fans out there and even the Saints fans, they're playing good because I'm, they're, they're close to my heart too because I had some good years down there. I just love that. Uh, both being successful, both being coached by, by, by good minds. Um, 
and to see that coming out of years of not being able to see some really good football, this is really, really enlightening. Well, I'm looking forward to a great game this weekend. I am. I, yep. I it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a shootout. I don't think there's any way this is not a shootout. It's gonna be a blast. And so, yeah, that running game, the Saints worries me. That worries me. They worries me yep. too. But you know what? They worried me last year too, and they figured it out. The Rams did a decent job on it. We'll see how they do this year. All right. Well, I think Drew was a little bit hurt last year, and they they, they couldn't uh, he, he couldn't really get some of the things done he wanted to get done. But true, yeah, you're right. But they have Ingram and Kamara and and uh, you know all that stuff, and uh, it's good. But anyways, I know when Gurley. I gotta I gotta say the last thing when Gurley slid down at the end. I know there was a lot of fantasy owners that were just biting it. <laughs> He didn't score because the game was on the line, but he laid that. I know it's tough, but, you know, there's, there's a thing about being professional and doing the right thing, and he did it. And I know that, uh, that a lot of people might have been pissed because of their own general manager of the fantasy football team might have, might have let him down. But, you know, you got to pick better players on the other spots, I guess. Well, it was funny. Let's remember the Tennessee game last year where he scored like three touchdowns. He got on Twitter afterwards and said, Fancy owners, you're welcome. <laughs> it was all sarcasm from Gurley too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's pretty. He's got he's got some fun stuff too, and I I think that's kind of neat where you get to. I mean, the folks not only a podcast or what they read in the paper from say uh, from um, you know one of the reporters or or anything. But you actually get to hear from him what's what's near and dear, and or what you know maybe he was sorry, or maybe you know you get to you get to hear from the horse's mouth. But I, I think it's kind of for our day and age impressive, and I'm glad to see that our youth gets to actually get that interaction. And I would encourage the athletes to interact. And uh, you know, it's, it's weird to say that this is like a never-ending conversation. Every time we start to wrap it up, you start talking more. Um, <laughs> when I was when I was talking with uh, when I. Every year when we do a draft class, I reach out to the draft class and I, I you know, and I want to interview them and get to know them and introduce them to the Rams fan base. And this year, only one player took me up on that offer, and that was John Franklin Myers. Mm-hmm. Came on the show and did a really nice interview with us, and it was, it was a phone call. It was hard for everybody to hear, but we did the best we could, and he did. And he was just really, really just, you got the impression, man, this guy's going to be something in the NFL. And then mm-hmm. he turns around and he's doing that in the NFL. You know, for years we've seen number 94 is Robert Quinn. Well, now we're seeing number 94 as, as Myers, Franklin Myers. He's earning mm-hmm. it. Well, I, I just think that you have different guys with different motives, and it's, it's interesting. And, and I, 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 if I was on the NFL committee, I would actually, you know, to some extent, limit limit what you do. I mean, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Sure. But, to have some interaction, so there's some personality that because that's that's what kids want. I mean, you take a ten year old, I don't care if he's in LA or if he's in Kansas City right now, they're loving their team. They're proud of their team. That's the team they know. And this is kinda of cool for Los Angeles. Now they got two teams. But, you know, they can look up to the Rams and go, Jerry Goff's my guy, I'm wearing sixteen, I get to hear from him and he you know, this is important to him. That's kinda of, it makes the bond and it lasts for years. And it's and I'm living proof of that, by the way. You know, <laughs> I, we've talked about that so many times. I was, you know, I looked up to you, and I looked up to guys like Henry. I was a kid, and and, there, and then I grew. You know, as I got older, I went, it, you moved on, and 
to other things, and I, I got, well, I had TJ Ruby for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chris Miller, and then Tony Banks, and Kurt Warner, and, and the greatest show on turf. We've, I've grown up with this team. You grow up with, you know, these guys, and now I live and breathe LA Rams football all over again, because mm-hmm. they're back in LA, and, it's just it's it's your own personal story when you when you follow that that's your, that's your team that's your personal story. Yeah, and I think once we moved in the stadium deck and the, the whole thing moves in and and you know some continued success, maybe Super Bowl under the belt. There's you know this is the city champions, and I, I mean we can go you know we can go sixteen and zero, but they still want that SB SB fifty whatever. That's 53, I think. 53, I think. I always mix up those numbers, but it's, it's, it's 50 something. But, uh, anyways, it's, those are the key, the kids like championships. People like championships. You you think about all the Lakers, the Magic Johnsons, the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. you know, championships, championships, championships. And that's what they're trying to build here. But they got to produce it. First of all, they got to be fine, and then we'll move on from that. I think they have a good chance. I think if. Yep. They have a good chance, and you know if it's not the end of the world, they don't. But this team is special. I can say that. I think we've watched enough to know that's another special. Yeah, and if you're around them any bit, you, you pick up on that. And and they like each other. They genuinely like each other. Um, there's not a there's not a Greg Williams in the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Greg Williams likes himself, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, Derek, it's always a good, always good to be on. I don't want to digress, but. Hey, hook, hook me up on Twitter, and uh, you know I guarantee you I'll find some sort of just to make fun of you, whatever it is. Outstanding. We will do that. We'll also make sure that, uh, folks, we'll all, we're always we are a Jim Everett friendly podcast. In other words, Jim's always welcome here. Jim, um, as for those who don't know, was my personal hero growing up, and so it's always wonderful to have him on the show. It means a lot to me. And uh, well, hey, go Rams. All right. Hey, I'll be back on. Derek, thanks so much, buddy. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Horns up. Horns up. Thanks. Well, it's always great to have Jim on the show, Steve. And uh, I know you have plenty of memories watching him play quarterback. What's one good memory you have of him? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, re- I remember exactly where I was the day I heard that they had traded for him uh, from the Houston Oilers who had drafted him out of Purdue. I think he was maybe third overall. And they were having problems signing him. And, uh, was traded to the Rams, and I was so happy. The rumor was that that, that trade was going to go through a few days before, and kind of just anxiously waiting, and way before Twitter or social media, so you couldn't, you didn't really get uh, updates, but uh, I, I actually remember where I was when I heard it, and uh, pretty excited about that. And of course, who can forget the overtime uh, throw to Flipper Anderson when Flipper ran into the uh, tunnel at, at uh, Giants Stadium in the playoff game. So that was that was probably uh, the two best memories I, I, I have of Jim Everett, for sure. And he's, well, my other memories, too, that the, the Bucks come back. I don't know if you remember that in that game in 92, oh. when he took yes. it back from 27-3. Of course, yes. we talked about in the show, briefly, the Flipper Harrison's 336-yard game in, against New Orleans. In New Orleans, right. And the tunnel game as well. I mean, those are just some great performances. Fun to watch. He was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. The blade. Uh, he he was uh, he could really sling it. He uh, he was uh, uh, just a really super talented talented passer. So he he's definitely one of my uh, favorite Ram quarterbacks of all time, without a doubt. 
He's a character too. That conversation was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I actually I, a quick a quick story, a thirty second story. I actually ran into him after he was retired down uh, in Carlsbad, which is like near San Diego, down here in California. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was on the street, and he was coming out of a shop, and uh, I ran into him. And uh, my wife was with me, and she, and uh, she she I go, that's Jim Everett, and I go, hey uh, Jim, I said I'm a big big fan, and um, <laughs> my wife goes. To Jim Everett, oh, he just is—he's in love with you, and uh, and you know, and I looked at her like, uh, you know, you didn't have to put it like that, you know. So, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty—that's a pretty funny story. So he, he, he was pretty appreciative um, about about all the love that I had for him. But uh, anyways, that's that's my funny—that's my funny, that's my funny uh, Jim Everett story. That's hilarious, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, so before we move on. Let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor at the Gold Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of our own, one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Gold Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day he left for St. Louis and has kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code Talk so he knows we sent you and he'll get you a discount on an already affordable haircut. Again, the Gold Ram Bar- Barbershop, it's 714-894-7267. They're open Monday through Friday, a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Folks, trust me, going to this place is like a, it's like a Hall of Fame for the Rams. Get a great haircut, get some great conversation, and check out all the cool stuff he's got there. Yeah, it's a Gold Ram Barbershop. Give him a call. And he'll like it if, if you ask for him to shave uh, Rams horns in the side of your head. He loves when you do that. Does he really? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen too many. I haven't seen too many of those haircuts, but. But yeah, you know Sal, don't you? Uh, I've actually I've I've met him once, um, but I I've, to be honest, I've never gotten my haircut there. It, it's a little far from where I live. Well, you know, in in yeah. LA, it's like a five minute. <laughs> well, it should be a five five minute drive in Ohio. It's like an hour drive. There. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a little bit far. You know, so okay, so folks, we have today the mailbag here and. Uh, <laughs> Our first question right away, I, I got to kick out of this, just, and just some some backup on this, some backup here. The um, Las Vegas, the betting odds put Sean McVay as one of the favorites. I think it is the favorite to land in Cleveland to take over the Browns' job. So, love my country and life. That's at Scottman zero zero one wrote. What chances do you see McVay leaving for Cleveland? Home state job, too much to pass up? Well, I'll, you know what, Steve, I'm going to throw this to you first. Um, <clears throat> well, let me get off the floor first um, when I hear that question, because if there is a negative percentage, I'll put it at negative 49%. There is no way, no way Sean McVay is leaving Los Angeles for Cleveland. No way, shape, or form. Not not city wise, not football wise, not any wise. I don't care how much money they throw at him. Sean McVay is not leaving L.A. There is there is absolutely no way. Um, you know, I agree. I think at this point, you have a team that's ready to win now versus a team that, by the way, has a lot of good pieces. He really, really does. The Cleveland has some very nice pieces there, but they're a year or two away. 
so you can win now or win a year or two. I'm going win now. And it's just L.A., the profile in L.A. is different. Ohio native or not, it's kind of, this brings a bell to the whole Kroenke thing. When Kroenke was in St. Louis and all the St. Louis folks were like, he'll never take the Rams to L.A. There is a draw to L.A. He was a Missouri guy. He's never going to leave. Yeah. You go to L.A. You go well, to LA. And the other, the other thing is, Cleveland is a dysfunctional franchise. Um, and, and, you know, you, you saw that Hugh Jackson was fired today along with Todd yeah. Haley. Um, they're, they're a dysfunctional franchise. And, and you know, from, from ownership on down, I think that that franchise is in a world of hurt. Now, John Dorsey is a very good, well-respected GM who has made some very good, you know, draft selections. And so, so he's trying to turn that thing around. But, you know, we're, right now, until they, they, they get the right coaching staff in place, uh, like we have here in L.A., that that franchise is is not going to do do very much in my opinion. So there, I mean, there's there's no reason for for McVay to leave. I and mean, first of all, this is his second year. I think he signed a five year deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, tr- trust me. After after next year, that thing is going to be torn up, and he's going to be paid. He'll be made the highest paid coach in the NFL. There, there's no doubt about that. If they continue on the success, I could see them tearing that contract up after three years. And, um, and and make, and giving him an extension that makes him the highest paid uh, NFL coach because because he deserves it. I mean, there's not one coach in the NFL I would trade for him, and, and that includes yeah. I was gonna say, and that includes the guy in New England. I, there is not one head coach I would trade Sean McVay for. Heads up, and or straight up, uh, absolutely not. Uh, this this guy is more than just a a brilliant offensive mind. This guy gets it. This guy's a leader. He's a leader of men. He's a, he, he, he's a, he knows how to organize. Uh, the Rams hit the Powerball lottery at $1.6 billion when they found this guy. I mean, this guy is, is everything. He's everything you want in a head coach. <clears throat> he has no ego. He empowers his coaching staff. He brings in guys who have head coaching experience because he knows he doesn't know it all. He knows that, you know, he may be the smartest guy in the room, but he doesn't act like he's the smartest guy in the room. And so I think um, there's no way the Rams will allow him to go anywhere, first off, because he does have a five-year contract. So he's under contract with the Rams. They would have to give somebody permission uh, or, or make a trade for him, and there's no way, no way that's going to happen. So right. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's probably a fun thing to talk about um especially if you're a cleveland fan but uh, there's no way it's gonna happen just a side note too as well you know i think cleveland did take a you mentioned being dysfunctional i think i think they took a huge leap towards being functional by making the move they made today i was talking with a buddy who's a browns fan mm-hmm. today and uh, i just finished reading jocko willing's book um on extreme leadership and extreme ownership mm-hmm. and he detailed the situations of leadership with the U.S. Navy SEALs and how you apply it to business life. And one of the business situations he talked about was very similar. He had two employees who were experts in their field, but they couldn't get along. And they were causing problems in the workplace. So the decision ended up being made to fire both employees. And then the Browns did the same thing. There's the, the you, know, you have Hugh Jackson and old Todd Haley. In Cleveland, mm-hmm. they can't get along. So what's, what do they do? They just say, screw it, they fire both of them. They get, they get them yeah. both out of there. 
Yeah, yeah I was and they hired Greg, Greg Williams. <laughs> and they, yeah, Greg Williams is the interim guy. I don't think he'll be there permanently. No, 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 um, no. But I, I just just the fact that they took a page right out of Williams' book there in terms of leadership and fomented the fact that this is their organization, they're going to do it. So I think the Browns will find their guy. It's just not Sean McVay. It's just not Sean McVay. No, it's not. It's it, it's not Sean McVay. And, and you know, and and that said, I, I you could see them and, and and other teams following what what the Rams did by hiring and the same thing the Bears did where they when they hired Matt Nagy for you know to be their head coach, um, another guy highly respected younger guy um, uh, to to work with Trubisky and. And then same thing the Niners did with with Kyle Shanahan. And so I think that's going to probably be the way they go because they do have a young quarterback who they're going to need to nurture. And he is going to be the key to their franchise uh, in the future. And uh, they're going to need to find – they'll probably use that same type of formula. That's what I would suspect. Okay, Craig Ebel at LA Ram again. LA Ram underscore again. Trade deadline coming up. Anyone you would like to get if the price is right? That's his question. Well, yes. Um, you, you know, obviously there, there's there's cap issues that you you have to uh, think about. But cap cap withstanding, uh, if Dexter Fowler is is available from Jacksonville, um, and you only have to keep him one year because uh, Jacksonville uh, declined his fifth year. Uh, rookie contract, rookie option. So you only really need to you don't really need need to make a commitment um, more than than this year on a Dexter Fowler. He's a talented pass rusher, uh, so I could I could see him him coming in. Um, I know there's talk about Shane Ray with Denver as well. Obviously, you know Wade Phillips being there, but but I heard that Wade Phillips is kind of lukewarm on on Shane Ray. Um, so where'd you hear that from? Uh, I got my sources, Derek. I can't reveal them. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> but you're but, spreading rumors and innuendo here. <laughs> I'm spreading spreading rumors and innuendo, but that, that that that's the word on the street. I'm like Adam Schefter, you know. It's just you know, I, I, I get I, I'm in front of my phone right now. But um, the, the, I mean, Fowler, I would like for sure. I I don't know that they need help anywhere else other than than edge rusher. Um, and I don't know how much it's going to take to get Fowler. Uh, I mean, a mid-round draft pick, maybe. Um, and if that's the price, then I think it's well worth it. But uh, I, I, I think they're pretty good. I, I don't need. I don't think they need to do too much uh, to to uh, to go on to where they need to be. It's like the old adage: if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I, I think uh, I think they could definitely use an edge rusher. Although Longacre had a pretty nice game yesterday, um, and uh, Ibukam is uh, is kind of a hit and miss guy, but uh, I think you know they could probably use a, another edge rusher. Well, another thing too, just on my end here, I'm not the pass the pass defense, the secondary's been struggling at the corner corner position. Um, and we're about to talk about that in a second. I keep trying to think if there's anybody else out there I'd be willing to go out there and get with with fair price, and I just can't. I don't see anybody out there that will be at a, a reasonable price at the corner position that is going to be better than what we got. Right. I just don't see it. 
And so I, I look inside to the out to outside linebacker or just to linebacker in general. They're you know, the linebackers have been good sometimes and are and sometimes they've not haven't been so good at all. Not been good. And I think maybe Shaq Barrett in Denver would be a fit to try and go after. But honestly, I get the I get the sense right now the Rams are who they are. The, the personnel they have, especially with limited caps, so they have some space. Um but you don't want to give out too much. You you can't. They went and gave. They they traded the draft picks away this year. They traded some in the past. But eventually, you're going to need those draft picks because you can't pay everybody in your roster. They're going to have to let some guys go, and you're going to pick some people to, to come in after them. So I, I'm really hesitant to say go out and make and trade more draft picks for next year when they really need them. They really do. Right. Right. So um. I, well, they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get some some picks back in, in, with the con- compensatory picks because they did let Watkins yeah. go. I think, they, um, I think they get three next year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think they'll they'll, they'll get it. Well, they they should definitely get a third round pick for Watkins. Um, but you know, but if you give up, you know, I think an edge rusher would be a a is something they they could probably use. But I don't. I agree with you. I don't think a cornerback is something that. First of all, what are you going to do when Tlaib comes back? You going to sit down Marcus Peters? I mean, I know people are on him, and and I know he's struggling a bit, and we don't know if he's a hundred percent or not. But um, you know, who are you going to sit? You know, they, Sam Shield just plays pretty well. Uh, I know Troy Hill is everybody's favorite guy to beat up, but Troy Hill is actually a pretty good corner. At, n- maybe not a starting corner, but he's a really good backup. So I, I don't know, I, like you said, I don't know if there's anybody out there that you know that that makes sense at this point. You, you don't want to disturb that chemistry and, and what they have back there. And that's what I wonder: is there really anybody? So that's just my thought. Okay, yeah. uh, one last question: we kind of we kind of just were already heading that way. The from Mark Linabaugh at Rams Chiefs. He says, if Marcus Pierce is 100% healthy, the Rams have a serious problem. How long do the Rams keep him a starter? He isn't just getting beat. He's getting beat badly and often. Coach's film shows a clear lack of speed, and a guy that doesn't like to tackle almost cost us the game. <sighs> Steve? Well, I don't know if I agree that he doesn't like to tackle. Um, he is getting beat, and he does get caught peeking into the backfield. Uh, which is when he does get beat. Now, the Denver game, Keenum had a couple really good throws where Peters was not that that off of of the of his, the receiver, but he was beaten by some really good throws. Um, that said, he's been beaten really badly also as well. So, um, I, I don't think he's one hundred percent healthy. I don't think he's got the the catch-up speed, the make-up speed that he that he had before, when he could maybe sometimes afford to look back, but then make make a play on the ball when the ball was in the air. So I, I think that is part, probably part of the problem. Um, but I think at this point, you kind of just have to be patient. You know, I mean, they haven't made any type of long-term commitment to him, and they, you know, they, it's not like they've re-signed him to a huge or or ex- extended him on a huge contract. So I think you just have to be patient and hope. That as the season progresses, he gets he gets a little healthier. Um, they do have the bye week in what three weeks, and maybe after that it be, it becomes a better situation. I mean, listen, they're eight and zero. Oh. It, it's hard. To, 
it's hard to uh, to get too down uh, on the secondary at this point. But you know, if they do have a weakness right now, it probably isn't because a lot of teams are are picking on him. Uh, but you know, I think part of it is he does have a tendency to peak. And he is not 100% healthy. But I think when Talib comes back, and I think Talib should be... I'm not sure if Talib is scheduled to be back before the bye. Maybe you know better than I, Derek. But um, I think once Talib gets back, I, I, I think it'll it'll help out the secondary. Um, well, we don't even know what how long it'll take to get, you know, get his speed back. You know, a lower yeah. ankle injury where it is... <sighs> It, you just yeah. never know. You never know. Oh, and here we go. Um, just in tonight's presser. Here we go. Going back a little bit to our previous question on uh, asking Sean McVay about an edge rusher. It's coming out from today's presser. Asked if on if on the edge rusher is a position they're interested in looking to add. McVay stated yes, or sorry, yeah. Yeah, that would be something that we definitely would look, look into based on the availability of some of the players that we've looked into. That would be, yes, a possibility. And then goes on to say that they are, you know, keeping an eye on things that are in the league. So, well, let, Les Snead has definitely showed he's not he's not afraid to make a trade. Uh, so if there's a trade to be made, uh, Trader Les will 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 be on the phone. You can you can bet you can bet that because uh, he certainly. Uh, Shook up the NFL in the off season with some of those deals, so yeah, he did. And 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 to give my answer on that from Marcus Peters. I think that it's there are a couple of little things I'm not sure if people noticed during the course of the game. There was there was some miscommunication with the safeties back there, and that's mm-hmm. where I think some of the problems may be happening. I think that Marcus Peters is looking for safety help and it's not there. I think that. If the Rams can square away some of the communication in their secondary, that problem goes away. In answering about his speed, his speed, he's probably not 100% yet, folks. He's probably, that was a pre, we thought at one point he would be out two to four weeks. And even if he come back after two to four weeks, that's not an injury that he goes right away. So he's probably not 100%. And what do you do? Is he still your best corner guy on the field, your best cover corner? Probably. He probably is. Troy Hill is yeah. inconsistent. He has the ability to make some great plays, and sometimes he doesn't. Nikhil Roby Coleman is a great slot guy. The only one I'm really questioning is Sam Shields and the Rams are trying to protect Sam Shields as much as possible. So I don't really know what's going through their heads here. I can tell you one thing. They miss Tlaib a lot. They miss Tlaib. Tlaib was meant to be the kind of the anchor in that secondary who who is put together, helps. He's basically Wade Phillips' coach in the field. And right, he's not there now. So right. Well, and if you think about how dominant their defensive line has been r- lately, um, you know it's hard for teams to design f- five uh, step dropbacks to be able to hit a guy forty yards down the field because they don't—they're not getting that much time to do it. So I, I don't think it's time to hit a, a panic button in terms of Marcus Peters. At all, uh, I think, uh, like we just talked about, I, I don't don't think he's a hundred percent, and um, I th- I think uh, as the season progresses, you got to remember that injury was a bad injury that he had. I saw him there lying on the field, and I thought he was going to be out for the year. And for him not even to miss a game is pretty pretty incredible. Now maybe they should have rested him a game and and not let him play that the next week, and and, and maybe we'd be in a different spot right now. 
maybe. But um, yeah, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Okay, one more thing. Uh, bef- I, I, I'm kind of bouncing in because I'm just now getting the transcripts from Sean McVay's press conference here. Uh, he was asked about the Cleveland Browns. He's asked on anything if he wants to say about his name popping up in the head coaching rumors following the Cleveland Browns coaching changes. He says, I couldn't be happier to be here with our players, with this organization, working for a great owner and Mr. Kroenke. Unless they decide they want to make a change, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. There you go. There you go. All He's right, under so, contract for five years. You guys don't have to worry about Sean McVay going anywhere for at least five years. Yeah, I don't. Uh, three, three more years, I should say, after this. And they're going to pay him. If, if he of keeps course. doing what he's doing, he's going to get paid. And they don't, they're not bound by a salary cap with him. They can pay him whatever they want. No. They, they, they can pay him the, the, you know, the crazy, crazy money. And he will get it. He will get it. I'll tell you what. If I was his agent, I would be, uh, I'd be a pretty happy man right now if I was his agent. I'll tell you that. All right. So the last thing I want to get to here before we roll out of here is, uh, Steve, you were at the game yesterday. We, I was. Um, it was uh, you. Ha- you have some strong feelings on this. We talked about it a little bit last night with Michael Stewart and Steve on the show. Steve Ribeiro. The Packers crowd outnumbered the Rams crowd there at the at the at the game. I I was told 55-45. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, I, I originally said fifty fifty. But if you saw the uh, expe- the the Packers side of the field was pretty much all green, and um, it, it was they did. It, we can go. To, I would go fifty five forty five uh, in the in the Packers' favor on that, which it, it's embarrassing. And and I'll I'll tell you um, when teams come to town, uh, like the Arizona Cardinals or um, you know Seattle. There are there are fans that are scattered around, but you know Green Bay fans. A they travel well. The, the the Green Bay fans, along with the Steeler fans, are probably the two best teams that travel. Um, and uh, you know Los Angeles is a, a place where we had actually five major league uh, sports going on the same day yesterday. Uh, we had the World Series. We had the Kings playing at Staples Center. We had the Clippers playing at Staples Center. We had uh, the Galaxy playing. We had uh, the Ducks playing. So we had quite a few uh, sporting events here that kind of, I think, spread it out. And, and I think a lot of, maybe a lot of people who had Rams Packers tickets, my tickets are going for five times face value. And, uh, you know, people who see that and spend you know, make the math easy, spend $100 for a ticket, and you're all of a sudden you're getting $500 for your ticket, you know, it might be harder to turn down. Now, that being said, I'm a true Rams fan, and I would never sell my tickets. And But there are a lot of people that are, you know, not so invested in the Rams right now. you got to remember, they were gone for 22 years. So they're, they don't have the emotional investment, the, especially, the, obviously, the younger fans. And uh, they said, "Hey, we can make money, so we're going to sell our tickets." And when they and they, and when the tickets go on NFL Ticket Exchange, that's when they were bought up by the Green Bay fans. And let's face it, you know, late October in LA is a lot more pleasant than late October in Green Bay or Milwaukee. So it's 
you know, and, and we live in a city that's very much of a transplant city. Uh, there was a ton of Red Sox fans at the Dodger game yesterday. There at the was. World Series. My goodness, there was. And that's that's how it is. I'm also a season ticket holder with the with LA Kings. And anytime the Rangers come to town or the Bruins or, or a team like that, uh, the, the, the arena's like 30%, 40% visiting fans. And that's just, just that's the nature of Los Angeles. And it's it's been like that for a really, really long time. And uh, there's, you know, until until fans uh, become, I think, more emotionally invested, and I think it's going to take years. This is not something that's just going to be two years. And, and look, they've only been good now for two years. This is only the second year, and, and we're only halfway through it, so it's actually a year and a half. So I think it's going to take some time. But I hope, you know, if we have a playoff game uh, against uh, <laughs> Green Bay or or Philadelphia, or another team that that travel well. Min- the Minnesota fans uh, showed up too, not nearly like Green Bay, but the Minnesota fans on Thursday night had sh- showed up pretty well too. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's it's not it was not a good look. The optics were not very good for for LA Rams fans uh, yesterday. I'm I'm sure once I watch it on TV, I'll, I'll probably become even angrier about it. So. All right, guys. So we just want to get his thoughts on Steve's thoughts on that. Is um, <clears throat> man, that was tough to watch. I'll be honest with you. Well, we're gonna close it shop. We have a big, massive episode for you to, to uh, digest. We're just, uh, so thankful that you have taken your time to come listen to our podcast, and really appreciate you trusting us as a source for your Rams information. Before we go, we do want to go ahead and answer this week's trivia question. How many turnovers the Rams forced against Brett Favre and the Packers in January 2002 NFC Divisional Game? The answer is eight. Six interceptions and two fumbles. That is eight. We do have a winner. The winner sent me. It's Mike Shelton. So Mike, if you're listening, buddy, I need you to send me your your address. I'll also email you as well. Send me your address so I can reach out to you and send you a copy of Jim Hawk's Wonderful book. Okay, so, Steve, tell people where to find you on Twitter. That is at Rams R Home. So it's R-A-M-S, the letter R, H-O-M-E, 16. All right, that's it, right? <laughs> that, oh, yeah, sorry. That's that awkward it. silence. Ram- I thought you were still going. <laughs> Rams R Home. Sorry about that. Rams R Home 16. <laughs> And you saw what I did there. The Rams came home in 2016. So it's Rams Are Home at Rams Are Home 16. Okay. Guys, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. Follow Rams Talk on Twitter at Talk Rams on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have a group because Facebook's algorithms are annoying. So the group helps us keep stuff putting out to you as well. That is the Rams Talk room. Search for us there as well. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Spotify, we're everywhere. For Steve, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy, and we'll see you later this week. You can't 
control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.